to be able to have a 10% swing in net income or bottom line by not adding any revenue is just absolutely still astounding to me. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. I am really excited today, especially because these are like some of the favorite people in the world. I got to get a chance to be with them in their company, and, and they have built a culture of open book management. And that's really going to be the topic today is like, how do you build an open book management concept? It just sounds too good to be true, but I've seen them do it, live it, present it, and it is just phenomenal. So I have Mike Rose and Nicole Rose, who are the founders of Mojo Media Labs. Mike is the CEO, Nicole is the president and COO. I'm pretty much sure that she runs the shop and makes everything go right all the time based on what I've seen. Mike is also an author of the book of Results Only Work. So we're going to talk about that. And it's just going to be all about how do you actually create a culture that is about open book, transparency, and trust. So Mike and Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Sangram. This is really exciting. Thank you. We're excited to be here. I am so, so stoked. I remember last time when I was there, you had a whiteboard with all these different financials openly written, literally in the middle of the hallway where everybody was walking through. Do you still have that over there? So we do still have it. However, now we have offices in several different cities. So we've gone a little bit more high tech. I will say (laughs) most of the financials are kept now in, in the cloud for everybody to be able to see. So it's working out better so that everybody can be involved. But we do still have the the board out and do have the numbers on there. Yeah, and most people don't have their profit and loss statements in detail and, you know, four by six feet sitting around the office. But it's been really, really helpful. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So I would love for each one of you to just introduce a little bit about what you do and really share a fun fact about yourself as well. Ladies first. Oh, now now I get to go first. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Nicole Rose, and as Sangram said, uh, my role within Mojo Media Labs is to make sure that we are delivering on the promises that we're making to our clients and, you know, just really doing a great job. Okay, fun fact about myself. So when I was growing up, I lived in Hawaii. I know this is audio only, so I am a very pale redhead. So when I was growing up in Hawaiian elementary school, I was surrounded by people who looked very different than me. And in Hawaii, they called white people howlies. And literally in my elementary school, I was the single only redheaded howly in the entire school. So oh my I, was very, I was very unique. <laughs> well, again, you know how to stand out. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now you know by description, she's both the beauty and the brains behind Mojo. So. <laughs> yes, I know that already. Yes. <laughs> All right, Mike. M- Mike Rose, uh, CEO of Mojo Media Labs. Fun fact, my degree is in biochemistry. So naturally, you can see how somebody would go from science working in a lab to, to marketing. But really being able to, it's, it's benefited, I think, us quite a bit by having both an analytical and a creative right and left brain side to our agency. In fact, that's where Mojo Media Labs name came from. The media is the creative 
the labs is the science. And when you mix both right, left brain together, if you will, you, you create mojo. I love that. That's what I like to call Mojo Mojo every time I see because maybe I see both of you and I was Mojo Mojo. It's so nice. You got to say it twice. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. All right. So let's talk about this idea. What is an open book management all about? Sure. Ultimately, open book, and we're talking about financial management, right, is, is about financial literacy. It's really was really surprising to us three years ago when we started this, how many people in the company did not understand how the company both made and lost money. So naturally, if you're producing $5 million in revenue, people thought that went right in Nicole and I's pocket. I mean, if we're just, <laughs> so we had to explain that there's some expenses involved and because we're doing a certain level of revenue doesn't mean it's going into our pocket. So an unintended consequence of starting open book management is that people started to take it home because now they were a little bit more financial literate and able to better manage their home finances or save for a, a special project or a, a situation. So we're really excited, not how it, that it's had an impact at Mojo in financial performance, but also on them personally as well. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that one of the very important things for Mike and I was to create a culture of transparency. We, uh, you know, we, we definitely wanted to you know, be very open with the team and, and there's no, there's no other way. I mean, you can't get more open than to show the financials, right. Of everything that's, that's spent in the company. And Mike and I believe that people come to work every single day for the most part, wanting to do a great job and wanting to contribute to something bigger than themselves. And oftentimes what we saw was that there were issues in the company. Oftentimes you could see that within the financials, there might be struggles here, there, but people don't know about that. You know, the employees, they're not aware. And so we believe that, that if we could provide the transparency and show, you know, the team where there could be opportunities for improvement, that then they would understand in greater detail how they could really contribute and help the success of the company. And then at the end of the day, in, in, in our world, if Mojo wins, everybody wins. So we are one team. We all win together. We all lose together. And so as the company makes our financial forecast and our goals, which everybody is a part of in their own individual way, which we'll talk about, then everybody individually also benefits and they know exactly what that looks like too. I love that because I also remember when I was there last time, there was this meeting and I didn't even see both of you really speaking at that meeting. If I could remember it, I think it was your entire team who was standing up and going on it. And they were talking about what's working, what's not working, what should be done. And that was an eye opening moment for me as well. Yeah. Because again, I haven't forgot. It's like two years ago or something like that, because it, it was so powerful to see that everyone, regardless of their title or anything, you both were just sitting there like not just sitting there, I mean, like you were part of the team, but there, it, that, that very important conversation by led by your team. Mm -hmm. how, how did you get to that point? You bring up a super good point. And actually that is by design. What you, what you were describing is our weekly huddles. So every week, Monday at 11 a.m., we have our huddles and everybody in the company comes together. They own a particular line item on the profit and loss statement. So for example, somebody literally owns like the line item of software as a service or SaaS. Mm -hmm. And so they're responsible for controlling kind of the budgets, making sure that we're utilizing that, you know, well and all that. 
Mike and I don't run the meeting. That's by design. We don't run the meeting. We both actually have a line item, but that's the extent of it. So we are just a team member, you know, within all of it. So the discussions that happen within it between, you know, team members is just so super awesome, right? Yeah. What we found is that it, it took some time to get build up to that point. And, and now what we're finding is that there's peer-to-peer learning. So now we have somebody who's managing the travel budget is coordinating with the person managing general office expenses and really teaching them how to forecast through the month on that line item. Last week, Monday at 11 o'clock, Nicole and I were, were married clearly. We were out of town. We were on vacation. We were in Canada. Oh, um, that's where all the money goes. I get it. Yes, that's where all of our $5 million goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, and it, the meeting happened. And, you know, we, we just we, uh, later logged in and checked the sheet. And, you know, we were, we were able to show, you know, an 18% net income forecasted for the month. And, and that's exciting to know that we're giving them the, the autonomy to make decisions and, and feel like they're adults. And that's how people want to be treated. That's how mm-hmm. we treat them. And it, it comes back to benefit everybody because the net income or our critical number is profit before tax is uh, directly tied to their bonus program, which is a 20 level or a one to 20% of salary bonus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm listening to this podcast right now, I would be thinking if I didn't know, you know, you guys, as well as do now, I would be thinking like, okay, this is too good to be true. This is this whole idea of like open book where sharing profit, sharing expenses, and everybody kind of owning a line item, including the founders and the executives of the team. I mean, I mean, clearly, as you said, it's not something that happened overnight. It was a very deliberate and intentional process from the very beginnings of it. Before we started record, you mentioned something about rituals that got you there. Like, what are the rituals? If somebody wants to do this right now in their organization, what are the rituals that they should be thinking about? Sure, sure. And um, actually, I remembered what I said. And so I will I will go directly into your question. I'm just going to back up just a sec. And so one of the things that we do within the huddle, which is the most important ritual within open book management, but is teaching forecasting. And so this is kind of a mind shift. And as business owners, one of the most frustrating meetings for us had been the meeting with the CFO, you know, two weeks after our books were closed and we looked in the rearview mirror and it was like, did we do well or not? <laughs> well, at that point, we couldn't do anything about it, right? And so now what our team is, is, is contributing to and learning is the first week in you know, February, we are forecasting how February will turn out. And so we can catch potential issues early, right? We can know, oh, we might have a rough month or, oh, this is exciting so that we actually have time to be able to change. So we've had, we've had months to where we've had swings, you know, positively of, you know, 20% from where we started without even adding any additional revenue by just, you know, allowing people to see where we are and be able to make different decisions. And that's a huge point to be able to sit back as owners and not feel all that weight on your shoulders for this, the success of the company, to be able to have a 10% swing in net income or bottom line by not adding any revenue is just absolutely still astounding to me that the team got together that wasn't us and said, okay, hey, where can we cut? We can push buying those office snacks next month and we can, we can pull back on this expense and this expenditure in this area. And by simply thinking like adults and, and looking at the business like a business and not in your specific box or your role is truly magical. And we know a lot of companies that play this and have failed or not been as successful. We know a lot of companies that play it and are wildly successful. So it's just kind of knowing how to navigate those waters, if you will, mm-hmm. and, and sticking to it. 
Yeah, and kind of to go on to that, so you had mentioned rituals. So what can a company do to get started? So there are a few things that we call just basic fundamentals if you're going to get started. And uh, first thing I, uh, I will tell companies if they want to do this is, number one, you need to either go all in or don't do it yet. Be prepared to just, you know, go all in. The, Mike just mentioned that many companies um, have tried it, but they haven't succeeded. And in my opinion, from what I've observed, it's like they tiptoed, you know, and they tried a little bit of it, but not really the whole thing. Or they shared the wrong number. And for example, <laughs> sharing top line revenue, which is not very transparent. And yes. Instead of sharing something that's super transparent, like net income. Yeah, exactly. So first, and this is really fundamental, but every business needs to have a budget, right? We call, yeah. we call it a plan. Um, I'm still amazed to this day how many companies truly do not have, you know, a, a plan put in place. Yeah. And that plan really forces you to think about what are your strategic objectives for next year? And what, what investments do we need to make? How are we going to scale? You know, all these kind of questions, right? And so you have to create that first. And then and more important than that is once you create it is to follow it, you know, on a monthly yeah. basis and track it, you know, track against it. Oftentimes, even if a company has a budget or plan put in place, they just forget about it. Right. <laughs> and so that is a really, really important aspect to that. And then, gosh, then being able to kind of bring a small team together to help to, to put to, you know, to think about how you want to execute this within their company. There are resources out there, you know, about open book management online. So you can read kind of about that and some tools and, you know, ways to do it. But we suggest kind of having a small task force, if you will, to think about, well, how are we going to roll it out in our company? Mm. Uh, and then do some kind of practice runs, you know, on what that looks like. Yeah, our task force or design team practiced for six months before we rolled it out company-wide. So, you know, we made mistakes. We improved on those mistakes. And then as a bigger team, we still made mistakes and we still do today, but everybody's really vested in making it a better process each week. Yeah. One, of, one of the things that I really enjoy about it and I think would be a good takeaway is, you know, at Mojo, you know, there's really four things that we do. We do account-based marketing, inbound marketing, <laughs> sales enablement, and web design and development. You know, Terminus is a huge partner of us. We love, we love them. But ultimately, by playing an open book, we are an expense on another, our client's profit and loss. Mm -hmm. so marketing yeah. is an expense. So whether you're a writer at Mojo or a front-end developer or whatever role you might play, knowing where we are as an expense on our clients' uh, budgets and profit and losses and things like that means that everybody is really trying to drive business value to our clients and not just produce the next blog post or just develop that next creative or workflow. Yeah. So the this client success managers are thinking like business owners, which has been tremendously valued to, to us and our clients. I love that. I, I feel like you're introducing this concept of just with your own customers, this empathy, because you yourself are going through it and your team knows what it means to have an expense. And so now every dollar matters. Everybody understands the value of a dollar, where it's coming, where it's going. So you're able to translate that into your customers. Like one of the things that I've always felt is that we can't treat our customers better if we don't treat our employees the best in that sense, because not you, like I, as a founder, I'm not talking to my customer every single day. I'm like, sometimes three, four, five levels removed from a conversation that I'm having. And it bothers me because in the early days, I knew every customer by name and all that stuff. But the, the thing that somebody taught me was like, well, are you treating your team the best? Are you making sure that they feel cared about? Do they feel empowered? And if they do all the, if you're doing all those things, 
then they are going to take care of your customers because they're going to transfer that all good energy on that side. And it almost sounds like you're doing that leaps and bounds ahead of where, where we are in, in almost every aspect. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's interesting uh, also kind of talking about like what to have in place before starting maybe open book management. Mike and I, I think are believers that you have to have the core foundational of a good culture, yeah. um, right? Because that's, you know, that's scary. If you've, if you've say, for example, have the wrong, you know, team members or, you know, things, the culture isn't maybe the greatest, yeah. maybe start there, which where we started was really looking at our core values. Um, we have six core values. Everybody at Mojo knows them inside and out. They're literally fundamental to every decision that we make, who we hire, you know, and conversations, good or bad, you know, those people around that. So we really started with our culture and building, a, you know, a team that really bought into our values and then rolled out open book management. And I hate to say it that even it's, it's applicable, but, you know, we use our values to determine not just a good fit Mojo maker but also a good fit client. Yep. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we look at to apply it to say something like account-based marketing, you know, as we look for fit, you know, through ideal customer profiles and buyer personas, lead scoring and lead grading and things like that, you know, that's kind of the fit criteria. If you're a marketer and listening to this is your values become now the fit of who's mm-hmm. going to be the next mojo maker at, at, at our company, but perhaps at yours as mm-hmm. well. I love that. I love that. All right. Here are my notes uh, on this. So I'm going to try to, to try, I'm really going to try to summarize into like two or three big ideas. There are many more than that. And then I would love for both of you to share one challenge for an organization, for a marketer, for sales, like, or an agency like yourself. Like what is the one thing they can do to just go try this thing? Because I think people are going to have this immediate reaction like, well, that sounds really good. Like, what do I do? But it could be overwhelming for them. So big ideas for me, just listening to you both and seeing you guys live this in your organization is this whole idea of like treating people like adults. As cliche admit sound is like, well, when you do that, I love Mike, when you said that, well, you want to create a work environment where what, what people do, not where people go. And, and I think that really resonates with me as someone who wants to, to just be, you do my best job. And, and Nicole, you said that several times, like, Everybody has this thing. They come to work because they want to do their best job. They, nobody comes there not to. So how do we create an environment and this idea of opening everything and allowing different team members to have a line item, which includes you both having a line item. I think you've just set a great example for it. So, so that, that was big. The second one was building a culture that is based on trust and transparency. I feel like you cannot have one over and, and miss the other one. If you're transparent, then you have to report on it daily weekly, monthly, it needs to be available and you need to build trust. Those numbers should not fluctuate. There should not be things adding or removing from it when things go bad and things like that. And I feel like you both, you both have done a phenomenal job of making sure that doesn't change in our organization. And then this, this part of like the rituals, I think every company can come up with as many rituals as they need to make this possible. But this idea of ritual of having a weekly huddle where act, people go through it and you both are part of that team, but are not the one running it, I feel like is a tremendously big takeaway. Like any agency, any owner, any leader, if their team rises up and does things, I think that's when you know that you're doing a good job as a leader. So clearly that is a big one. So again, ton of different things that I'm going to add in the show notes, but those are the top three big ideas. Uh, What is the one challenge, uh, starting with Nicole, that you want to share with people to take action? 
I hope she doesn't take mine, so I'm going to let you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I challenge business owners to push the fear that they are inevitably going to have aside to expose things that can be very scary. Um, to expose if there is, uh, you know, if, if within your uh, company that you're having any type of financial challenge, which, you know, let's, let's be real. A lot of companies, you know, have challenges all the time. And it's very scary to think about sharing that. And so my challenge would be to trust the team that you have in place and be vulnerable and start having those difficult conversations and allow the people that you have on your team to help. Love it. Oh, that's a good one. I, like that. I, might, I might take that on. Um, yeah, you were still processing that. I'm like, oh, I know, right? I'm, I'm listening to you. This is that's great. I would challenge folks to come up with rituals. And what I would say is, is intentional or purposeful rituals. We're guilty that our rituals at one time were, you know, celebrating somebody's birthday or, you know, we, we got a great, you know, office and we, you can huddle around the beer keg and, and have a happy hour in the afternoon. I mean, that used to be our rituals, though we still do that. Those aren't, those aren't adding to the value of the company. So really coming up with rituals that are value-driven, they're adding to the fun, which we define fun as profit, impact, and culture. So really challenging yourself to come up with some really meaningful rituals like having an open book management meeting you know, every day, or excuse me, every week, or as we like to say around Mojo, treating people like grown-ass men. And even the women are like, I'm a grown-ass man. They love it. You know, because like, they want to be treated like adults. So, you know, we allow people to, our ritual is to work anywhere, any place, anytime. And as you said earlier, work is something you do, not a place you go. So really having a ritual like that. So, you know, purposeful rituals that's going to drive the value of the company, not just drive like superficial happiness, if you will. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Bo. There's going to be a ton of show notes in here. I cannot thank you for sharing the wisdom. And I feel that many people are going to walk away from this podcast thinking that they can do it and it's possible. And and your story is is a glowing example of that. Thank you for being with us. Thanks so much. Take care. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.